Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org, or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The Gospel of Luke ends with the marvelous scene of the ascension of Christ. Luke's other contribution to the New Testament, the Book of Acts, begins with the same scene. The Book of Acts stands as an encouraging continuation of the ministry of Christ following his resurrection and ascension. Stay with us today for a tremendous life study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native land of China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel and labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades before bringing the ministry to the West in 1962. The life study of the Bible is a significant contribution to the heritage of Bible exposition. We're delighted today to be able to bring short recorded portions of this spoken ministry to you, along with our own discussion. And today with us again, for that purpose, is Francis Ball. Francis, thank you for being here today as we continue to delve into the riches of the book of Acts. I'm glad to be here and anxious to see more and more of what comes out of this marvelous book. Francis, I like this portion of the word very much as we get to see very intimately the progress and the changes that took place in the lives of the disciples. Francis, we concluded our broadcast last Friday with a word showing us that the disciples in one sense were in an advanced college course being taught by the resurrected Christ. Francis, talk to us about this metaphor. What was this course that they were taking? What was Christ trying to teach them after his resurrection? Well, that's a very interesting question because uh, these disciples had been with the Lord Jesus at least three and a half years, almost day and night. And they learned a lot from him just by being with him. He spoke a lot, but even what he did, how he was, spoke a lot to them. To have his physical presence was a privilege that none of us have had, but what a glorious thing it is to know how he trained his disciples even after they didn't have his physical presence. Christ was giving them what you call a course in learning to live by his invisible presence. They had uh, spent three and a half years with the Lord's visible and physical presence. Now he's been crucified and resurrected, and he spent 40 days to complete the course. That's almost four years total experience that they had with the Lord. That's a good course for a, a college course. But I think when he reached this point, he really got into graduate school. In this period, he trained these disciples how to live by his invisible presence. He told them that he would never leave them, but that he would be with them to the end of the age. 
But they needed this course to experience and realize that the Lord Jesus, as the resurrected and pneumatic Christ, is with them all the days. Actually, they are the pioneers in this course, learning to live by Christ as the Spirit. We follow them in this experience. Though we never saw him or were with him during his visible presence, we are still represented by these disciples who were there and who were brought into another age, the age of the invisible presence of the Lord Jesus. So thank the Lord for this course taught by the Lord himself just before his ascension, taught to our, maybe we could say, our big brothers, the early disciples. They learned this lesson, and through the book of Acts we'll see how they carried out what they learned. Francis, it's good that we could follow them in this same course. It seems like... uh well, maybe our course is lasting a little longer than four years, but we uh, we hope to come out where they did, fully trained by the Lord's invisible presence. I think we could have a good lesson from them to know how to learn how to live by his invisible presence. Francis, let's go ahead and join Witness Lee today for this portion of our life study. I like to say a little word on the preparation by the disciples. Okay. After <laughs> such a kind of a appearing and such a charging right before their eyes, the Lord Jesus was taken up physically, visibly. They all saw his going up. I tell you, this was one part of the half-year education. <laughs> the half-year education, including this. Could you see this? They saw him ascending. Deeply impressed. Now, please tell me. Were they excited? Or were they weeping there? You tell me. Watching. He was going up. Then Peter dropped the tears. Where are they waiting? What? They were excited. Marvelous. Marvelous. Then two men came. These are two angels. Two were there, telling their galadins. You have to know how he went up and he would come down the same way. He went out physically, and he will come back physically. He went into a cloud, and he will come back in a cloud. And he went from the top of Mount Olive, and he will come back to the same top. Francis, the final element of this heavenly course that we're looking at was completed by the two angels that appeared as men during the ascension of the Lord Jesus. And they were telling the disciples that just as he was taken up physically, his return will be in the same way. To witness such an event must have had a tremendous impact on their faith. It's interesting that the Lord chose to ascend in this visible manner to them as a kind of a conclusion to their education, isn't it, Francis? That really is a marvel, that even though the Lord had ascended after his resurrection, to present himself to the Father. 
he did come back, and he did meet with the disciples the night of his resurrection. And it's a marvelous educational period, 40 days that he was still with them. And this was really, you might say, this was their graduation course. You know, usually the completion of a high school or a college, uh, which uh, we've been through to prepare ourselves for the future usefulness, is usually celebrated by somewhat an exciting event. But it's usually also called a commencement exercise. That means something's about to begin. So this is the whole situation that seems to me here when you look at this time when these two angels appeared and said what they did to these disciples. It makes you realize that this is not the conclusion, only a conclusion to what's gone before, but this is an introduction to the rest of their lives and even to the rest of the age, the age that we're now in. And this event was just such a time as that. The course was over. They no doubt were enthralled and excited when they saw the Lord ascending. They wanted to stay there for a long time, just gazing into the heavens as Jesus ascended. But these two angels interrupted their good time with a question and also with a proclamation. They said, Why do you stand looking into heaven? You know, I believe, Chris, this question ought to be asked all our dear brothers and sisters as well as ourselves. Why do you just stand there looking into heaven? The Lord didn't say just to stand around looking into heaven, but he did say something else. He said, uh, I will come again. And these angels said, This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same manner as you beheld him going into heaven. So with this kind of uh, farewell to the Lord Jesus as he ascended right before their eyes. I can't imagine what it must have been like to see the Lord Jesus ascend right before their eyes and disappear into the heavens and not to be visible again until he comes back. He will come back the same way that he went away. So I'm really excited. Uh, when we're on the other end of this whole procedure, we're waiting for him to come back physically so we see him. And they were seeing him physically for three and a half years and then saw him disappear. But not till he had showed them and he trained them. Like in a laboratory, he trained them how to experience his not being present with them all the time. You remember how he would appear and then disappear, appear and then disappear after his resurrection. This was his training. Francis, you alluded to a commencement, which is a beginning and at this point in the history of the church and the Lord's move on the earth, we are at the commencement of an entirely new age, which we're going to see introduced in this coming section with Witness Lee. Let's join him for this. I believe the Lord Jesus will come back to that very spot. How he went up, he will come down the same way. Okay, that's all. Then they all got excited. They became happy. And they gathered in the room to pray. They became persevering in prayer. What they prayed, I must say, this again can inference. They must pray for the 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They prayed for these ten days. Now, you could see, after the resurrected Christ came back to them and breathed himself into them, and after his appearing, disappearing with them for 40 days, after his teaching about the kingdom of God for that many days, and after they saw his ascension, I tell you, they got nearly fully educated. And this is the completion of the four-year course of the divine university. So Peter became another person. Peter now understands the prophecy. Peter now understands how to interpret the prophecy. Peter now understands how to teach people according to the scriptures. You see, have you ever seen Peter like this? Altogether not. But now he became another person. Why? Because that resurrected trace got into him. To be his life and to be his person. I tell you, to pray ten days with one accord among 120 people, this is not a small thing. No need to say 120, just 12 of you. Try to pray for 10 hours. I'm afraid you cannot make it. Just after praying half an hour, you will fight. But the 120 prayed for 10 days with one accord. Not only so, they were under threatening of the Jerusalem Jews. They were Galileans coming from Galilee to stay in a strange city, Jerusalem. And the people, the believers there, were persecuting any followers of Jesus. There was such a strict threatening, and they were not afraid of the threatening, yet they stayed there and prayed for ten days with one accord. I tell you, this could never be carried out by human effort. All of them, they have Christ within them as their life and as their person. So you can see there was a change. There was a change. A change, even not so much economically, but very much essentially. They have been changed, they have been transferred essentially from the old being into something new. Now, in this new being, they do have Christ as the life and as the person. Francis, these two things are very striking about what we have seen concerning the disciples. I was very touched by both the profound change that we see in Peter and also this matter of the prayer of the 120. Both of these items deserve some comment, but let me ask you, Francis, how could 120 people be able to remain in one accord and pray in absolute harmony for 10 days. This is something that, as I've thought about it in a little more depth, it seems completely remarkable to me. Oh, that, we all have to admit that that's a remarkable thing, even for 10 or 12 people to pray together for 20 minutes without a dispute or a disagreement, but even to be in one accord. This is quite marvelous. 
but for a hundred and twenty to pray together in one accord for ten days is more than remarkable. It was possible because this same resurrected Lord Jesus, now as the Spirit, had breathed himself into them the night of his resurrection. And by that infusion and dispensing of himself, breathed into them, and by the experience of his ascension outwardly, they were brought into a divine and mystical realm in which they were able to sustain such a prayer meeting. I think uh, many of us believers have met a lot of times for prayer meetings. And it seems like, at least in my experience, when I would go to a prayer meeting years ago, it was hard for people to spend very much time praying. They have a little message. They call it a prayer meeting. They have some announcements. And then a few minutes of prayer, one or two praying. That was my experience. And I think too often it probably is the experience of of many of our brothers and sisters. So to consider that they spent ten days, night and day, praying in one accord, this is really remarkable, and it changed the age. Because of that experience of spending ten days in praying in one accord, not only a few men, but even with the women, this was a remarkable beginning of a new age. Francis, uh, this 10-day period of being in not just a kind of mental agreement, but in one accord, which implies a complete harmony of their being, as you pointed out, could only be the result of the fresh impact of this breathing in by the Lord Jesus. That is really the secret, and that is because when he breathed into them in John chapter 20, receive the Holy Spirit. And we know that the word spirit can be translated from the Greek into either spirit or breath. So when he breathed in the Holy Spirit, he breathed in the Holy Breath. And that means that was himself. His breath is himself. So when he breathed into them, he himself got into them. Now, when they pray together, by the exercise and prayer of their spirit, which has been recently breathed into, they were able to sustain such a harmony and a one accord for such a long period of time. Wonderful, wonderful. We may not see ourselves uh, literally in the day of uh, Pentecost or the time of Pentecost, but this is a real lesson and example to us, the exercise of the breath that has been imparted into us is the key to our prayer together. It's the only way we can really be one with one another and with the Lord. Amen. Francis, let's go back to more of Witness Lee. Now, they did something still according to the old tradition. Because one of the twelve was away. They need another one to make up the number twelve. So they need another one. They need to select another one. Actually, in the New Testament economy, there's no need to cast the lot. The proper way is to follow the inner anointing, to follow the indwelling Christ. Christ left them economically, but Christ still stayed with them essentially. If they were used to this essential presence of Christ within them, they didn't need to go back to the old way of casting lot. 
for deciding things. But still, wouldn't the old way. This was a sign that even though huh, we are very much essentially having the Lord within us, still we are used to the old habit, old way. Eventually, Messiah, he was elected. And he was put among the eleven, and that made the number twelve complete. Then, this was a complete preparation. You can see, at the end of chapter one, hallelujah, we do have a complete preparation for the coming propagation. Francis, this was an interesting window into the progress that the disciples were making. Even though they had, in a sense, completed this course that the Lord was teaching them during the time of his physical presence, the story of the selection of Matthias indicates they still had some progress to make, didn't they, Francis? Yes, uh, this this portion really shows us that uh, there was a marvelous transfer for these disciples. They were surely brought into another realm. But everything in the new realm was not so easy to practice because they were really so accustomed to their old practices, uh, even their religious practices. The Lord was in them, essentially, as the indwelling spirit. And their experience of him through the four-year course, you consider that one three-and-a-half-year period visibly, and then another 40 days of training, had been consummated. But there was the need of getting light and wisdom for carrying out the practical matters by the inner anointing rather than by the Old Testament way, like in this case of casting lots. They needed to complete their number because Judas uh, had really betrayed the Lord and and uh, denied the Lord. So they needed another disciple to make up the twelve, and they chose the old way of doing it that was uh, in, in the Old Testament. But they needed to be brought on in their practice to learn how to do things by the anointing of the Spirit that was now in them. So this is a good indication that we also need to drop our old habits and our old ways of carrying out God's New Testament economy. In experiencing the New Testament age, we need to exercise our spirit to live by the inner anointing in our spirit and not by our habitual or even our religious practices. Too many times, Chris, I believe we Christians read the New Testament like the Old Testament, and we make the Old Testament our guideline. But we need to experience our transfer into the realm of the New Testament economy by living according to our spirit with the Spirit of Christ. Francis, of course, we just completed a little more than a week ago the life study of the book of Hebrews. And this was a marvelous book, but we saw this same principle again and again. The Hebrew believers uh, with the tendency to shrink back or to fall back. And uh, what we've seen here in the book of Acts is really maybe one of the first instances of that happening. They had come out of this time of 40 days of intensive training by the head instructor. But then when the first test came, the inclination or the bent was to fall back to this Old Testament way. It's really interesting, isn't it? That sure tells us a story, doesn't it? how easy it is to just rely on the way we were trained, the way we uh, do things naturally. This will not fulfill God's economy. It's in another realm. 
It's in the divine and mystical realm. Well, Francis, the life study of the Bible is serving day by day to bring us into this new realm. We commend this message and this fellowship in our uh, recording portions today to the Lord to help all of his children to make this crossing of the river to again to borrow a phrase from Hebrews and come forward. Thank you for being with us today. Enjoyed our fellowship quite much, Francis. I enjoyed very much being here. Thank you. And in addition, we enjoyed very much having you with us today. And another thing I'd like to point out that we enjoy regularly are the comments that you leave when you contact our toll-free number or when you send us mail. To hear from you is a marvelous blessing to us. It not only encourages us, but more so it lets us know that we are reaching you with the riches of this profound and marvelous ministry of the New Testament. Let me give you our toll-free number again, and uh, we do encourage you, if you would take the time just to call and let us know your reaction to the program, what the Lord is showing you in these broadcasts, and, of course, our operators that are on duty during business hours of West Coast time are happy to talk to you, answer some questions, and give you more information about Living Stream and the vast resources that come out of this ministry. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And as we mentioned uh, nearly every day, we'd love to also receive email, and our email address is radio at lsm.org. When you call, we'll be glad to give you information about how to receive this printed life study message as it is bound together in a volume containing the first 18 life study messages from the book of Acts. Altogether, there will be four of these bound volumes to complete the 72 messages that we anticipate in this book of Acts. Again, the toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. We begin a new week, our first full week in the book of Acts, and want to again thank Francis Ball for being with us. We'll be back tomorrow with Witness Lee and another life study from the book of Acts. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. These programs are based on messages Witness Lee gave when he did a comprehensive book-by-book study of the Bible, showing how Christ is life to man. Whether you're hearing these life studies via radio, online, or as a podcast, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. There, you'll find more than 1,700 audio studies covering every book of the Bible. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Thanks again for listening.